Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Today on the podcast, we're talking with Renan Ozturk, an expedition climber, landscape artist, filmmaker, co-founder of Camp 4 Collective, and the principal cinematographer of the very powerful film, Mountain. Mountain was directed by Jennifer Peetham, and its theatrical release in the U.S. is May 11th in New York, and the film will then be making its way to select cities after that. You can learn more about screening dates and locations at mountainthefilm.com, and I urge you to go see this on the big screen. This film is an epic meditation on our relationship to and fascination with mountains. The script is based on British author Robert McFarlane's memoir, Mountains of the Mind. It's narrated perfectly by Willem Dafoe. It is set to an incredible classical score, and it features some of the best mountain sport athletes in the world, including, among many others, Alex Honnold, Candide Thovex, Conrad Anker, Tommy Caldwell, Hilary O'Neill, Danny McCaskill, Travis Rice, Danny Davis, and Renan Osterk himself. You can watch now the trailer of this film in the show notes to this episode on our site or at mountainthefilm.com. And I have an admission to make. I watched Mountain just before I was scheduled to speak to Renan, and this movie really shook me in the way that I think the best art does. I could barely talk when I finished the film, and I had to then try to turn around and talk about the film with Renan. So hopefully why this film had such an impact on me will be made clearer throughout this conversation, but most of all, I'm excited to let you hear Renan talk about this film and his own evolving relationship with the mountains. And then I'm going to be equally excited for you to go see this film for yourselves. And so let's go ahead and just get to my conversation with the very thoughtful, very talented Renan Ozturk. I literally just wrapped up, I guess it's been now about 30 or 40 minutes ago, wrapped up a screening of this film Mountain. And um, I, I'm i still recovering a bit from it, uh, to be honest. I, I think this is, this is a really powerful film. And I, uh, I'm excited to learn more about it from your perspective. Um, how would you describe this film uh, succinctly for someone who's wondering about this thing called Mountain? Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for having me. I think it's, it is sort of hard to describe in the beginning. It was more of a, an abstract film compiling all the best mountain footage, but it really became just a symbol of, humanity's relationship with mountains both physical and mental over time that spans everything from people first climbing everest to sort of the the red bull action sports craze to some of the more modern cutting edge feats that are happening in the mountains like ropeless ascents and the cutting edge of alpinism stuff that I'm really tied up in and it, it bl blends that all into a form where it kind of gives you a, a window into the, into the mind of some of the people that are doing this and also a greater look at uh, how humanities just interacted with, with the mountains over time and tried to subdue them, tried to con conquer them and in 
in other cases, just tried to respect them. So yeah, it's, it's it was definitely a, a complex topic to to wrap into a, a film. But yeah, I'd be I'd curious to hear how those themes kind of came off for you, having just finished watching it. Like, what what are the what are the things that stood out to you the most? Well, I think the thing for me is that I feel like I'm used to, you know, you're talking about some of the action sports stuff, so. You know, I'm used to to watching these days either 15 second clips on Instagram, right? Of uh, of someone base jumping. So I think having these scenes paired up with um, this incredible script, um, and my understanding is that m- the vast majority of the of the words of the film are from the pretty incredible author Robert McFarlane. So to have these scenes paired up with that writing, with this narration that's perfect by Willem Dafoe, with this incredible cinematography, with some of the richest classical compositions of the past 250 years, I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I hit play, but I wasn't expecting all of this, right? I I think what we're used to in, in our worlds is more of you get one of these slivers, not not all of them <laughs> brought together. Yeah, I guess that'd be another way to describe the film. It's it's mountains through sort of the timeless perspective of music, written word, and visual imagery. And it was such an honor to be able to work with with Richard. I know Jen, uh, the director, worked more with him, but just from the beginning, um, I've I've worked with with Jen on, on a few different. Um, feature documentaries, primarily the film Sherpa, which was the Sherpa perspective on Mount Everest. And she gave me Richard's book for, for my birthday, uh, Mountains of the Mind. And that was years before the film even started in its construction and sort of evolved organically from there. And then another big part of the process was spending time with with Richard Tognetti and Jen and the editor in a creative retreat in Japan where we all spent time skiing powder together. And Richard was, was walking around snowstorms with his $10 million violin. And we were all in the same house as he's playing the violin and, and working out some of the score and deciding which classical pieces need to be in there versus what's more of a modern score for some of the sections that would be originally composed. And it's all those things that, that come together that make it a little more timeless than just a, a throwaway Instagram clip of someone hucking their meat off of a, a cliff or a, you know that type of a representation of the mountain space. Exactly. And it feels like it's it was really powerful for me to see all of those things where this really is, I mean, I, the, the single word I would use, I guess, is this really is a meditation. This is a meditation on why we go to the mountains and their pull. And to start, um, you know, kind of start back in the day with sort of the sort of first inroads into really like human inroads into mountaineering. And then, you know, we sort of move in later to, um, 
base jumping stuff and, you know, footage of Danny McCaskill writing, uh, you know, riding on uh, mountain ledges. And so I think all of that, that's just the stuff that um, I did really feel was fairly unique. This really was, I think, an accomplishment. Let me back up here. Talk again about the initial, um, the initial roots of this film. Yeah, she's she's Australian, and she has an affinity for the mountains and telling stories in the high Himalaya. She she directed a, a television series, I believe it was for Discovery, about climbing on Everest, and then through that film, she realized, oh my God, Everest is sort of a horrendous industry in some ways where the Sherpas are doing the most of the work and taking all of the risks, but all of the Western climbers say, you know, a rich businessman from New York city who wants to climb Everest can just pay a lot of money and the the Sherpas will do most of the work and risk their lives and then they'll get all of the glory. So she put together a film to document that. And we were, we were there in base camp when one of the biggest tragedies of all time happened, which was an avalanche cut loose over the dangerous icefall that's mandatory for the Sherpas to go through. Sherpas as well as other high-altitude Nepali workers. And 16 people died. We were there in base camp capturing it all. And during that period, period of time, um, Jen was also developing this idea for a film that speaks to the the greater pull that mountains have on, on humanity. And it was developed over a number of years after that. And some of the footage from Sherpa was in there. Some of those moments that you just can't recreate, like moments after that, that avalanche. And in general, when you're shooting mountains, you get this really rare look into humanity on its absolute edge of survival. And I've been in a few situations in my life that are sort of a point of no return um, where everything's teetering on really finite decisions. And those are really rare to capture. So part of my role was to contribute some of those moments that I had captured, but also bringing in partners and friends that I know to compile sort of those best moments um, that are real and raw and emotive, as well as some of the the highest end aerials of these high mountain ranges, something that has been a lifelong quest where I've gone out and um, tried to pull that off in different mountain ranges around the world, like the, the Himalaya and the Alaska range. and so and so forth but yeah it's it's been a long a long process and it's certainly a really challenging edit to pull together and jen did an incredible job so did you just start thinking i'm going to cobble together some of this stuff and then later we will sort of figure out how this is arranged and and we will then start thinking about a music score to this or was this all all of these moving parts kind of being put together um uh i guess a bit in combination with one another yeah i'd say for the majority everything was happening in tandem and they were informing each other as we went along 
I was sort of the lead cinematographer for a lot of the shots, but I was also a curator and bringing in other major partners. Um, my production company, Camp 4 Collective, specializes in a lot of mountain footage. And I've shot a lot with them that we brought in and and contributed to the overall library, as well as Sherpa Cinema, a Canadian production company who are great friends of mine. And Brain Farm, uh, another production company who doesn't exist anymore. But these are some of the the high-end production companies in the, the mountain sports world that I personally knew of gems that they they had in their library, some of which had not been released and some of which had been incorporated into other films. But just the way that and it's it's sort of a no-no in like, okay, this shot has been seen in another film, uh, maybe in a, a YouTube short YouTube clip that's had a million views, but like you said, when you put it together in a context with the narration and the score and the narrative arc of a long-form feature documentary, it, it speaks a whole new language. And it's something that's being lost a bit these days in storytelling, where everyone's just digesting these short little bits online and attention spans are going down. And I actually didn't get to see it, but the main theatrical release of this thing um, in Australia included a live score with the Australian Chamber Orchestra. So they were playing the music live up front um, for the audience as they're seeing these visuals. And it's just a whole nother level of art form that breathes new life into these really rare moments and, and images from the, the high mountains around the world. I'm curious if you and Jen spent much time talking about the intended audience for this film. And I guess what I am wondering a bit about is if the audience for this film are the people who perhaps are, um, you know, already very familiar with Camp 4 Collective uh, and your work, uh, people who are already spending a ton of time in the mountains or if there was talk about we want to do something geared more for a general audience, those who aren't spending as much time in mountains. Was that a conversation? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I know Jen is is really hyper aware. And I think what's really successful about a lot of her films is how she takes the mountain space and interprets it for a general audience. And part of my role in it is making sure that it still passes the sniff test for the hardcore climbers and, and skiers. And in a lot of my own work, that's what I'm striving for. And it's something that I've learned a lot about by watching Jen and being part of her films. And just in my life's work, I'd love to take this thing that's really hard to explain. Like why, why do you, why do you climb the mountain? Why would you put yourself in those situations and suffer and, and risk your life? And in films like this, in some ways, you you don't even have to explain it. Sometimes it just comes through with the combination of, of the images and the narrative that's that's at play. So definitely a general audience, but it, it also has to hold hold weight with the core community. I, I imagine that you 
just simply get asked this question all the time, right? Which is one of the fundamental um, questions of the film, which is that why do we go and, and what are our motives? And, you know, again, I hope when people see this film, go see it with friends who don't talk during the movie, you know, like pay attention to the language and whether you end up agreeing with every statement that is made in this film, I think for those of us who do go and who go frequently, um, for me, I know this certainly served as um, a good chance to reevaluate some of those motives and perhaps some of the things we lose, lose sight of from time to time. Uh, yeah, I, that's a good point. I mean, I just um, there were so many iterations of the film and mm. <laughs> kind of going back to the the question of how how the different parts of it evolved whereas the music and the visuals and the script were always happening in tandem the one part that didn't click until the very end is just um bringing wilhelm defoe in to read the narration and when wilhelm decided to do the voiceover and the narration it was this huge aha moment um, for me anyways, as to like how a lot of these things made sense. And yeah, it was a great, it was a great moment for me personally to see that transformation with a, with such a, a pro and, and someone with that level of passion coming in and, and adding that, that layer of its, its own sort of music to the film. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to confess I was a bit surprised to see that Willem was narrating this. I I don't know that much about his own background, um but he does such a perfect job, which maybe shouldn't be a surprise, but I was curious if if you happen to know um a bit more than I do about any of his own relationship uh with going into the mountains. Um, I, I don't, honestly, I think that'd be a good question for Jen for him <laughs> or for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's something deep there and yeah, it's cool to, there's a lot of people, um, in my life that I've met that have this deep fascination with mountains that you would, you would never know. And in another life, they might've been a, a professional mountaineer or climber, um, one example is um, Jared Leto, another um, mm-hmm. you know, pretty well-known uh, musician and, and actor who's just crazy for, for climbing. And we did, we've done a few projects together and go out climbing when we get the chance. And he's got a lot of talent for it, um, just like, like a lot of other things in his life. But yeah, it'd be fun to, to take William climbing sometime and kind of connect um, after this whole project. You know, there is quite a thread through this film that we've sort of replaced this mystery of the mountains with a desire for mastery of the mountains. And I think about the fact that not only are you somebody who spends a lot of time in the mountains, you're somebody who spends a lot of time working in the mountains, right? And I'm curious if you think about that much, um, this 
this idea of how you interact and relate to mountains, uh, giving that often when you go out, it is your job. Um, and what you just think of that in general, um, as a lover of mountains. Yeah, that's also a great, great question. It's, it's certainly hard in this day and age where in the film business, everyone wants everything spelled out to the T you've got your shot lists. Maybe you're shooting for a big client. Um, you know, Apple's got a new commercial. They want a shot of the iPhone on, on top of an unclimbed mountain in perfect light, um, just like the storyboards. But mm-hmm. I don't think there can ever be mastery of the mountains. That's what makes it so beautiful is you have to expect the unexpected. And for me, it's setting those expectations up front in the fact that you can't control them. The weather is always going to change. And you'll probably get some shot that you didn't know even existed, but maybe it's a light phenomenon you haven't even seen before. Um, But you have to be open to that and keep looking around and stay safe as you can. And I used to be the guy that was climbing without a rope and really risking my life to get to summits and have those personal experiences and push the limits and kind of master the the physical. And I still hang on to some of that, that sense. And I'd like to get back to that, but these days I'm more motivated to, to risk all for a shot and be able to go to the ends of the earth with a camera and use my great, my physical capacity to bring a camera up to these places and capture a rare sun sunrise or, uh, a Sherpa um, who's trying to tell their story or perspective of the mountains, to the rest of the world or, or some other character. And this, that's why this film has been so meaningful to me because it's given an outlet for, for a lot of that life's work. Hmm. Did you find something different on this project? Um, having to bring together this uh, vast range of cinematography. Um, There is base jumping and incredible uh, just environmental landscape shots and mountain biking and skiing. Did that, did that feel different or did that feel like a very natural thing for you to pull together? I think pulling together the, the wingsuiting, the mountain biking, you've got free solo climbing, you've got climbing on rock, you've got climbing in ice and snow. I, I think that really is unique. I, I see that stuff all the time and you see it in the same mountain film festivals paired together, but often not, not in the same film. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see. And not only that with the historical footage of the origins of the fascination with mountains and then just being honest with what we've done to some, some of these landscapes and transforming them into ski areas and just really taking control of the landscape and trying to impose our own control of them. And that's something that I still have a hard time with. And, you know, some of the commercialization of, of the mountains 
so it's I don't know of any other films that really bring them all together in that way. Um, the film that I've always looked up to that we judge our work against that we could still never hold a candle to is Baraka, which is a sort of an artistic around the world journey of, of culture and humanity in its most brutal and beautiful forms um, back and forth. And I think this film relates to that, but all through the lens of, of mountains and it, it's all, all inclusive of the good, the bad, all the, all the different activities, um, the, really the full spectrum. It was sort of a scary proposition and, and for a while I wasn't sure how, how Jen was going to pull it off. And yeah, just, it, I was really delighted in how it came together because it can, it can seem pretty disjointed um, cutting from historical footage to somebody going through a gap in a, in a wingsuit, like the most adrenaline type of footage that you're used to seeing cut to dubstep music. So it was just a hard, a hard task to weave a narrative like that together, but it was also important kind of just a, a good point for us to all to check in on, on what the state of affairs is for the mountain community around the world. So yeah, it's, it just, it lends to a greater understanding of, of where we're at right now with technology and with just what our imaginations are allowing us to accomplish in the mountains. And then maybe where we've gone too far as well. Do you care to say more about that? The, the, where we maybe have gone too far? Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I, the, I think specifically the, the ski resorts and the gondolas and some of those, some of those man-made conquering of the mountains in some of these areas, personally, I think maybe a little over the top. Um, even myself, I'm, I'm pretty overindulgent in capturing footage of mountains with helicopters. And it's just not, it's not a very sustainable thing. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's just like just burning fossil fuels for the sake of, uh, of capturing footage isn't always the best thing. So even after this film has been made, I've been looking into other ways of, of getting that footage that, that don't require the same level of, of resources, like taking away from the earth, like mounting cameras on smaller ultralight experimental aircrafts that use less fuel. And it's a little bit more of an organic way to, to get that, that footage. Um, if you can imagine a, a hang glider with um, a lawnmower engine below it um, with the same level camera system, like a full full 8K aerial red gyro-stabilized gimbal below it where you can be in the air for four hours and you're only burning as much fuel as a, as a lawnmower during that time rather than flying with Jet A. Um, on some high altitude helicopter and uh yeah it's you know there's there's it's hard to find these unexplored places on earth and there's still merit to that but now there's a conversation 
that comes up every time those expeditions are launched. And you just have to ask yourself, like, why would you burn all those fossil fuels to fly down to Antarctica or the North Pole to do these feats? Is there a greater purpose of a scientific exploration or something that's going to create a more positive, bigger positive change than just your own personal satisfaction? Or, or if you bring back a, a story of your own struggle in achieving a goal of personal satisfaction, is that good enough? Do you convey that to the rest of the world? Um, kind of similar to our Meru film. And does that have a positive impact in and of itself to motivate people to live better lives or to make positive change in, in small way? I don't, fully know the answer but those are things that i struggle with and they're deeply hinted at throughout the film and i think it'll help people frame that for themselves i'm curious uh again as you have made i think one could argue a bit of a career exploring this question of time in the mountains and why we go do these things which filmmakers or perhaps which authors have been most influential in helping you sort out your own relationship to these pursuits? Sure, yeah. I, I'd say that film Baraka was huge in the sense that it was bigger than the mountains and they traveled the world in a lightweight crew with filmmaking equipment that they built themselves, that it was ahead of, ahead of its time. And the shots that they got still are on the level of things that are, that people are getting these days. And, um, yeah, the way that they, they interacted with locations of, of culture as well as mountains. Um, as far as kind of the, the greater sense of the world, world of artists in the, in the mountain world, um, John Krakauer has definitely been a, a mentor and how he's conveyed really a lot of truth in in the mountain world to the to the general public in his books that have been so celebrated like into thin air and on mount everest and um into the wild as well and then as far as cinematography um yeah i think it's just honestly these days it's it's a collaborative effort between all of our peers, like my my partners at Camp Four, the guys at Sherpa Cinema, um, Kurt Morgan, the the people who are making the latest technology, um, shot over camera systems. These are, you know, shot over just won an Academy Award for their aerial cinematography platforms, and without working with those those companies. You, you can't really accomplish this the same amount of stuff. Um, I was a landscape artist and I never would have even gotten into cinematography if the technology hadn't have evolved and the cameras gotten smaller enough that you can take a small camera up a climb and shoot something cinematic on an actual climb and not something staged. So on a climb where you're, you're shaving every gram and cutting your toothbrush in half and ripping the tags out of your jackets. Um, 
that weight makes a huge difference. And at first, um, yeah, I'd go for those, those super small cameras and capture things that are happening on actual first ascents in the Himalayas or Alaska or these places. And then it's evolved into now still bigger and bigger cameras, but trying to work with these companies to, to make those, those highest end cameras still streamlined enough that we can survive with them to, to bring these stories back. And as far as curating the images for this film, that's what it was all about is sharing the collective knowledge from all of these other filmmakers that I look up to that are really my peers, as well as highlighting the best technology that we can get our hands on. And it's, it's been incredible to get that trust from a lot of those brands. Well, they'll, they'll send us out with the latest, greatest technology full well knowing that we'll probably break it and it'll come back in pieces. So yeah, we've, we've, we've been on shoots where um, like in the Burmese Himalaya, for example, we were trying to determine the highest peak in Southeast Asia by standing on top of the GPS. Cause you can't figure it out via satellite. And um, you have to trek through the jungle before you get to the high Himalaya and the, the monitor and one of the cameras, the red camera had gone down. And at the time, that's the only way you can do anything with the camera, pretty much. But we ended up shooting the rest of the trip without a monitor, just completely blind, just um, kind of pointing and praying and guessing on exposure and, and everything else and just making making do with what we had. So some, some of these shots in this film and in a lot of the other films that we do, it's just kind of surprising what what ends up going into them in terms of what you have to cobble together and what's physically possible um, with the technology that you're, you're constantly fighting. And it's a, it's a big part of the behind the scenes to all these shots that you're seeing battling sub-zero temperatures with batteries and just really pushing yourself to the edge of your physical capacity to be able to turn the camera on, even if it's only for five seconds in one of these environments and bring back, bring back something for people to enjoy and, and appreciate. But that even that like, doesn't, it doesn't do anything because people see that shot and maybe it's just simply another snowy mountain to them that could have been captured from the top of the tram and Chamonix or the top of their local ski resort. Um, but it really takes a film like this to put it all into context, which is so beautiful and, and meaningful. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, if if you and I were sitting next to each other watching this film and I'm seeing it for the first time and I'm just kind of engrossed in the cinematography and and the narrative, you know, I'm having one experience. And as the guy who was stitching this together, you're sitting there thinking, that was absolutely freezing and I can't believe we even got the the camera to turn on <laughs> it at that spot, right? I mean, that's I, I was that was kind of the question I wanted to ask you next. What are the one or two things that you sort of at least maybe just secretly wish people would 
understand or I, I, or understand or take away from this film? W- would it be like, would one of the answers be, man, I just wish some people would appreciate how difficult it was to get some of these shots? Uh, or, or do you have a different take on that? Oh, no, I don't, I don't care about the I don't care about them appreciating the difficulty of the shots at all. I just think it's I think it's inherent that they'll have a greater understanding of what what it is to live a life in the mountains and be dedicated to it because I think most people their their vision of of climbing is dictated by the mainstream media which a lot of that conversation revolves around Everest and when I tell people I'm a professional climber the number one question that you get is have you climbed Everest and that opens up a whole can of worms as to um, you know what climbing is and for me climbing is an expression of creativity whether it's looking at a a mountain range that's in one of the far off regions of the world and trying to imagine a route that would go to the top and using a a lifelong set of skills to do that with a small team of two or three people. Um, And then it's become to mean an interaction with the cultures who live in these regions and serving them and telling their stories in combination with just the sheer physical feats. And I think this film will, will do a good job of, of not, not telling people what to think about that, but showing them what it is and then having them come away with a greater understanding of, of how big the spectrum is from the folks that, that climb Everest um, in a line um, head to head to heels uh, on those fixed ropes aided by the Sherpas to the guys who are, you know, throwing themselves off a, a cliff on a mountain bike with a parachute on their back and everything in between the spectrum is just so big and it means so many different things to so many different people that this is really one of the only films that lets people into that world. And the fact that it's getting a theatrical release is, is just incredible. So it'll hopefully change the, change the overall world perception of of mountaineering and mountain mountain sports and um, mountain ideology i hope hmm. yeah very well said so renan you've got you you've got this film coming out um what what else is life like for you right now what's on the horizon what's next for you here yeah i've been in production on a and a couple other feature documentaries. I just got back from a shoot, a part of the production that's been going on all year long, highlighting Native American food systems. So we've been on reservations across the country in the U.S., which is a little bit of a different thing for me, but also really eye-opening in showing just some of the atrocities that have gone on um, with Native Americans in this country. But then really in the end showing a, a joyful story of the the positive things that, that some of these communities are, are doing in Northern California, the Yurok tribes in with the Apache tribes in Arizona of how they're kind of taking back their food sovereignty because for a long time and still as it is now, the way that 
the reservations were created there. They're also sort of food deserts where we took them away from their native lands of where they hunted and gathered for food and left them with access to sugar drinks and white bread. And that led to the cycles of abuse and, and, and diabetes epidemics and everything else. So that, that's been a, that's been a, a really um, meaningful story. That's it's kind of fresh in my mind since I just got back from a shoot last night. Uh, but also, I've got a an eight year long um, mountain based documentary, which you know some of the best shots in the mountain film are all taken from the Sanctity of Space film, which is which is sort of my my personal passion project with my friend Freddie. And we're telling the story of one of the greatest climbs of our lives um, that nearly um, that was like a really close call and took many years to accomplish in Alaska, um, woven in with the life story of Brad Washburn, who was the greatest mountain photographer of all time. And hmm. he's kind of the guy that really hasn't gotten the limelight. He was a, a colleague of, Ansel Adams, they wrote letters back and forth about the the nature of landscape photography and the, the amount of things that he did in his life uh, are mind-boggling. And I think he was just a master at so many different things that he, he was never famous in the greater eyes of the world for any one thing. So we hope that this, this film like sheds a light on that and highlights some of his work. Um, as well as the the work that we've done to push his legacy forward. Wow. Do you have any idea yet of when that might be coming to light? Yeah, it'll probably be about a year from now. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, we've got a Sanctity of Space Instagram that's up and Facebook, and I post about it quite often. Um, but we've got a, a two and a half hour rough cut right now and it's it's all coming together there's some kind of like narrative elements to it which are not you don't normally see in climbing documentaries so when he was when brad was first mapping the alaska range and mapping everest he took an old school amelia Earhart style lockheed electra split tail plane and take the door off and and hang out of the open door in a like a world war ii leather flight suit and with a giant 50 pound camera and take aerial plates and <laughs> just imagining what that would have looked like is mind boggling. And the only way that we could bring that to an audience is, is actually doing it. So we got one of those planes and shot it air to air with a gyro stabilized um, camera system. And some of that stuff was really exciting and really makes for the, the heart of the cinematography of the film. And when it, it's kind of same as same kind of thing as mountain, it's it's this challenge of pairing that historical footage with the the ultra modern footage, and this film goes back and forth even much more than than mountain. And yeah, we'll look forward to to sharing that one um, in about a year wow. from, year from now. <laughs> wow! Yeah, we'll uh, we'll look forward to that one uh, for sure. Um, well, Renan, I want to let you go, but it has been great to talk to you. Uh, 
about this film. Um, it is remarkable. And um, I'm happy too to have just had the chance to be able to say, you know, thanks for so much of the work you've done. And I know I speak for a lot of people listening to this that, um, you know, it, what you have brought in front of us um, is remarkable. And and uh, it's nice to be able to say thank you for for the body of work too. No, but thanks for the support yourself and really appreciate the time. Hmm. Well, great. Well, listen, uh, take care. Best of luck is, uh, with this release and everything else you've got going on and, uh, uh, look forward to connecting again at some point further down the line. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Renan Ozturk for the conversation and to Jen Pedum for directing this film. Again, you can see the trailer of Mountain in the show notes to this episode on the Blister website, or watch the trailer and check out dates and locations for screenings of Mountain at mountainthefilm.com. Of course, and as always, I want to thank our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Blister Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you are notified each time a new episode drops. Thanks, everybody, and we will be talking to you again next week.